Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this main house production. Here on Merely Role Players, we improvise stories for your entertainment and our own, and we use role playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming, because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This episode is part of our current main house production, Vigil Quarry. To tell this story, we're playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat. So please take your seats in the main house. Tonight's production is about to begin. Vigil, a Merely Roleplayer's main house production. Quarry, Act 4 of 4. I'm Helen Stratton and I play Melody, the Constructed. She owns Sherry Downs Cafe Come Record Shop and knows how to handle a tough customer. She's got a heart of gold, which just so happens to be secondhand. Hi, I'm Chris Starkey and I play Cameron Jarvis, the Wronged. Cam's parents and sister were killed by ghouls when he was just 10 years old, while on a camping trip near Sherrydown. Ever since then, a Doom agent has been secretly training Cam to hunt and kill monsters. I'm Vicky and I play Renko the Flake. Renko is a Doom agent on furlough who was assigned to Sheridan and is now convinced something significant is happening in town. I'm Strat and I play Briar the Monstrous. Briar is a shape-shifting fey guardian of the Rosebriar Forest. They take their job very seriously, but can get a little distracted if there's mischief to be made. The hunt is mustering, they're marking their quarry. Cam saw a rider carrying a bucket, and the rider had no head. The outrider, precursor to the hunt. Melody is drenched. Something coats Briar. The outrider, like, uh, if he dies, then all the blood will come off. It's scared of gold. Tatty ghoul. You mean the ghoul. That was the one. The blur of the fast-moving outrider enters the library. Mrs. McGrew started coughing and smoke is billowing out of her mouth and nose. Hopefully this might help because it's another thing too distracted. But I wanted to try and use magic and some sort of fey glamour to make it appear to it that its flail had just turned to gold. <laughs> oh, nice. Ooh, the appearance of gold. Yes. That's very, if, very fey. Yeah. See if that might freak it out. Go for, a, like, don't try and fit it into an existing use magic effect. Just roll use magic and we'll see what happens. 
So that's um, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, oh, oh okay. Four, yeah. Thank God I've got you're really three. weird. Yeah. <laughs> and super weird. It it's works. not just a plus two. It works, but there's a glitch. Um, what glitch would you like? Uh, the glitch will just be that the effect is of a short duration. Great. So the, this contributes to it turning tail, mm. is that it's just swung the flail at Melody, and as it's swinging it back round for another strike, mm-hmm. the flail appears to turn to gold. Mm-hmm. And without making a sound, because it doesn't have a head to make a sound <laughs> with, but with like a full body shudder, it drops the whip. It just falls out of its hand, clatters to the ground. Nice. The gold whip, the head being destroyed, the harm being dealt to it by various sources, just causes it to turn and flee out of the library doors. Uh, am I still on the back of him? If you want to stay on the back, you're going to have to act under pressure because it's moving incredibly fast. Okay. Instead, I'm going to shoot the horse. Okay. Because I'm sort of still on the back of it. As I fall, I go, sorry, horsey! <laughs> <laughs> and just try and take out a leg. So okay. I'm not trying to like kill the horse, I'm just trying to like, lame it so it's not okay. quite so fast. All right. I think this is probably still act under pressure then. If you're aiming to like incapacitate it rather than harm it, sure. first and foremost. Or I'm just trying to think, how could I know limits? Like yeah. use my super strength to maybe just, as I'm falling, just yank him Back. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. legitimate. Okay, I'm going to try and do no limits then. And as as he speeds off, I'm just going to grab his necky stump <laughs> and just yank as hard as I can to try and pull him out of his stirrups, out of his whatever okay. it is. With a, a, a burst of adrenaline, the, adrenaline, the the rage that fuels Cam and all the training that Ernie put him through. Roll plus weird. That is a nine. So I'm going to just do it, but take a harm, because then I get better stuff yeah, later yeah, why on. Not? So yeah. I'm going to, as I fall, I take a bit of damage, but he sort of lands, it's like, he lands on top of me. Well, I think <laughs> I think for the flavour of the move, it's your, your, the effort is what harms you. Right. Like you have to strain so hard sure. that it actually physically damages you. Yeah, sure. Um, because you're, you're kind of, pu- like, the connection between the rider and the horse is magical to some extent. Right, right, right. And so right. dragging him out of the saddle takes more than a normal human yeah. strength. Sure. So it is going to tear some tendons right, into yeah, muscle yeah, yeah, and stuff. Gotcha. Um, but you manage to do that. You get your arms around the rider and tumble to the floor of the library. In I a did heap, it! <laughs> in a heap with the rider as the horse blasts out of the library but then kind of stops on the road outside and sort of canters in a circle confused. Oh, poor horsey. Kill it! <laughs> I mean, I think I probably would be thinking about positioning myself maybe through a bookshelf with mm-hmm. the gun that I have mm-hmm. to see if I can, like, but everyone's so in the way that the chances of me, like, it's really not my strong suit. Like, I'm field trained with the, like, weapons trained, mm-hmm. but it's not really my preference. So I think I'm probably leaving all of the heavy lifting to everyone else. Um, I would like to kick some ass with my sledgehammer. Yes. Yes, do it. Okay, yeah. Cameron's got it unseated, unsaddled, is bouncing across the floor of the library, scattering books and bookshelves and bucket chairs. Five. There's a seven. 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 Well, and also you've disarmed the rider, so he doesn't actually have a way to hurt you at this point, other than like punching you with his fists. So uh, where do you, what does your attack look like? Where are you hitting the rider? It depends. I'm just, just in the middle of his torso, whether it, yeah. yeah, sorry, I don't know if that's Overhand on his back swing. or his... 
croquet swing? <laughs> what is the technique? I don't know. <laughs> if he's lying down, it's just a yeah. strong man again. Okay. Uh, so you deal three harm to the rider, and it just manages to writhe in place and spin around in Cameron's grip and just land uh, a blow on your ankle. Mm-hmm. It does zero harm, but it does knock you down. Yep. Okay. Mm. I fall down. Yep. So Melody, Cam and the rider are all sort of in a, a messy, <laughs> messy pub fight on the floor. Oh, so messy. Why won't you die? <laughs> Perhaps somebody in the air can be helpful. Uh, I was going to say, uh, a big grey wolf is about to fall from, <laughs> from, from above. And fall from the sky! <laughs> well, it, the, the owl is going to dive bomb and as it gets closer, a wolf is going to land on this thing's chest. Uh, and just go to town with its claws. Nice. Shape of a wolf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, roll to kick some ass. That's uh, tough. I shall do that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Woo! Okay, pick your benefit from kick some ass. Uh, I'm going to inflict terrible harm. Ooh. Nice. Right, so it's still going to manage to get a hit in on you. Yeah. Uh, but how much harm are you doing total? That will be. Now? Uh, that would be three harm. Uh, it fights for its life, mm-hmm. uh, and like as the wolf lands on it, sort of winds it as the claws begin to dig in. It is trying to get its hands up and like grab at your eyes and your jaw mm-hmm. and like just try and scrabble for its life. But obviously, there's Melody and Camera on the floor as well and can kind of <laughs> grab at its arms. <laughs> Yeah, I'd just and like to eviscerate it. I do like, a, I guess, a dog would where it pits it up and just like flails it around with its mouth <laughs> and then hurls it into uh, one of the bookshelves and then sits down and does big puppy grin, wag, like tongue out, looking very pleased with itself. Waggy tail. Waggy tail. <laughs> Good lord, the paperwork. <laughs> um, Briar, there is also the temptation of a confused horse outside the library. Oh, excellent. I will turn around and see the horse. And do first aid on the horse? <laughs> I think, no, I think I'm going <laughs> to um, create a glamour outside of what the horse like of somebody with a nose bag full of its favourite treats <laughs> and oh, send no. it running away so that the horse chases after it. Uh, and hopefully makes a bit of a ruckus in the town. <laughs> yeah, send it riding, riding down the high street through the, across the cobbles, yeah. uh, chasing nothing. There'll be no reward for the horse no. at the end of this run. Behind the makeshift bookcase barricade, Mrs. McGrew is still trying to stifle coughs, which each one of them, with each cough, a small puff of smoke emanates from her mouth and nose. This is shielded from most of the crew, but Renko can still see it. Oh, not again. What do you want? Ah, simply monitoring. Gathering information. Waiting. Ah, thought this host had more time in her. Oh my god. The stress. The stress accelerates. I want to... I need to get you... I'm going to try and do some magic. (laughs) (laughs) I have witnessed Percy do the thing with the 
Percy runes. will have absolutely briefed you all. Yeah. This. So you don't have the runic magic yeah. that Percy has, but you will have worked out some other way of doing yeah. it. Yeah, there's like some words or something mm-hmm. or something. I'm not confident. So the, the key thing with magic, when it's not being done by sort of like a mm-hmm. runic practitioner or a fey being or, or stuff like that. Someone who has any magical ability whatsoever. <laughs> is that um, like magic is not a... Magic is not a substance or a force. Magic is an act. Mm-hmm. Magic is a performance. It's some, it is something that you perform. So it requires like an outcome that you want to occur. Yeah. And then there has to be some sort of way that you work that will upon the world, whether that is like creating a straw dolly and doing something to it or, you know, hanging a horseshoe over the, over the door mm-hmm. or whatever. It, there must be some sort of act. Yeah. So... What do we think that might be in this case when the the outcome is to like banish a demon of fire and smoke or a fragment of a demon of fire and smoke from a human? I feel like there were, I don't know, something like a talisman or a symbol or something that can be, that's like connect, if we know enough to know that it's connected mm-hmm. to that demon, you could use it. Like, yeah, And then yeah. any in theory, anybody can wield it, not somebody yeah, magical. Um, yeah, so maybe everybody's been kind of supplied with these or Percy's yeah. taught you all how to make them. Yeah. Where, when Percy did a, this spell to um, take the demon out of Mrs. Campbell back in playtime, she described it as being like pushing mm-hmm. cold into her. Yeah. And, like it was so cold that it actually hurt Percy as well. So... Maybe there is maybe there isn't like an ice element or like there is maybe water in the talisman. Yeah, yeah. So like a little bottle of water with some like ash in it to yeah. represent the demon would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So you so may, so I think Renko has this kind of talisman, yeah. which is a tiny little bottle of water with some ash in it, which uh, the main component of this spell is to hang it around her neck. Right. Uh, and that that will protect yeah. her from this influence. Okay, so I feel like as I'm going to do this, I'm like Percy. This bad bloody work. <laughs> like so I'm just not I'm not confident at all that it like this thing that she's given me is somehow just going to magically do the job. But I'm going to give it a shot. Cool. Roll plus weird, which is a zero for me. So at least we're not trying to be tough. What is that? A seven. A seven. A seven. So you succeeded with a glitch. I think it's either got to be that I take some harm or that it draws immediate unwelcome attention. Ooh, again. Because <laughs> I think that all of the other options, yeah. Um, I'll take, I think I'll take some harm. Okay. Mrs. McGrew and the demon that has partial control of her, are like their consciousnesses are kind of fighting for control and both are, f- both are scared and neither knows exactly what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so she tries to fight you off as you're getting this, wrestling this thing around mm-hmm. her neck. And she grabs your wrists to try to fight you off and her touch burns. Yeah, great. And you take one harm and you have these reddened mm-hmm. handprints on both of your mm. wrists now. Yeah. But you get it around her neck and cold from the water kind of leaks into her chest and the smoke begins to subside, and the coughing subsides, and you can kind of see the demon influence go out of her eyes. And this is, I think this is suppressing rather than banishing its influence. So as long as she keeps wearing this, it won't have control of her, but the fragment of its power is still in there. Right, okay. Mm. And she staggers and sits back down in her spinny uh, library office chair behind the desk, 
panting, still a little hoarse. Franco, what what's going on? Uh, I don't really have time to explain about what just happened or the mess in the library, but I am going to need you to keep that necklace around your neck on for a while for your health. Uh, well, if you have to go and do something, then then all right, but come back and tell me more about why. Yeah, and I think in the meantime, um, have yourself a nice cold drink of water. I definitely feel like I need one. Yeah, good. Okay, uh, keep yourself hydrated, and yeah, I will be back. I will be back later. Or I will send someone. I will send someone to uh, see to everything. I'll hold you to that, and probably Mick to help with the library situation. Melody, when you return to the shop after this fight with the outrider, you find already as you get home that the blood that is covering your face and hand that was previously magically remaining uh, wet is beginning to dry and flake. Melody, her usual post-fight routine is to put lots of music on at once, so from multiple record or tape players. So she'll do that, and then she will go and see if she can wash the blood off. And now it... It's still caked on and and horrible, but it does now wash off with the Outrider's death. Great. That's so, good. Um, she would just have a nice bath mm. and then she would go and sit and um, listen to some old Elvis Presley right now. <laughs> Lovely. Nice. Because she likes modern music. <laughs> <laughs> So you you spend the, you know the rest of that night recovering and potentially the the following day helping to clean up the library and maybe f- fulfilling that promise to Mrs. McGrew to explain a little bit more about why she has to wear this pendant yeah. now. And then that night, the night of the full moon, Cameron is able to retrieve his now enchanted axe oh yeah oh here we go does it look any different um when you dig it up i don't think it looks any different i think as you feel it you can feel like a slight almost like a sentience to it Mm. It doesn't like talk or anything but uh, i don't think if anyone else touched it it wouldn't they wouldn't get the same experience it has wants now yeah definitely thirsty it definitely, definitely, definitely has thirst. <laughs> and I think it has the ability to know when its prey is nearby. Ooh. So it's sort of like, look a bit twitchy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you can definitely feel like a little vibration running through it. Yeah, it wants, it wants some, some ghouly, ghouly goodness. Ghouly, ghouly, ghouly. Fully armed once again. Oh yes, cabby in hand. Yeah, we did all of that without you being fully tooled up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I can fight, guys, all right? <laughs> all right, lovies. It's me, Matt, your compare. While the players are getting ready for their next scene, why don't you and I take a quick flip through the programme? So this is the final act of our current main house production, Vigil Quarry. And if you've been enjoying this story, and if you 
play the role-playing game Monster of the Week yourself, either as a player or as the keeper, and you'd like to experience this scenario in your group, fight the Outrider, prevent the hunt, you can now get the published version of this adventure on my itch shop. I publish all of the adventures that we use for Vigil on that shop as uh, a series that I call the Sheridan Inquirer. It gives you all the tools that you need to run this mystery. So it tells you all about the locations, the bystanders, the minions, the monster stats, the countdown of what will happen if the hunters do nothing. So everything that you need to play the game. And it also contains a load of extra lore about our setting here, Sheridan, our Middle England setting for Monster of the Week. So even if you don't play Monster of the Week and you don't fancy running your group through this scenario and seeing if they do anything differently to our players here, there might still be something interesting for you in there. There are some good tidbits in this one about uh, an alternate origin of England or possibly just Brackshire County that Sheridan is in, um, and some interesting responses to uh, readers of the Inquirer. The whole thing is framed as a community newsletter, so it is an in-world artefact from the world of Vigil as well. Whether you're a Monster of the Week player or just a fan of what we're doing here in Vigil, it's well worth picking up. Uh, you can find that along with the corresponding issues for all our previous Vigil productions at merelymat.itch.io, uh, and that's also linked in the production notes. Next up on the show, next week we'll have our usual backstage post-show discussion of this production. Uh, where we'll go out of character with me and the players and chat about what happened, uh, what people enjoyed, what people want to see more of next time, where people think their character arcs are going, that kind of thing. So that'll be next Tuesday. And then after that, we're going straight into our next studio production. Might be out of the rhythm of these, since uh, this quarry right now is the first production that we've done after a reasonably long hiatus. So, as a reminder, after we do a main house production, we go into the studio, we forget about Vigil and Monster of the Week and the ongoing story that we're telling, and we do a one-shot experimental thing where we play a game we haven't played before, characters we haven't created before, so it's a complete jumping-on point. Uh, if you want to introduce somebody else to the podcast, it's a great time to do that. For that studio production, we will be playing a game called Fiasco, published by Bully Pulpit Games. Fiasco is a game of individuals with uh, towering ambition and very poor impulse control, tripping over, getting each in each other's way and generally causing a mess. I am joined in that production by Alex, Nat and Josh to play four members of a, a rock band that is very, very past its prime. It's an elderly rock band scenario. We are thinking Rolling Stones, but today as opposed to in their heyday. There will be uh, knobbly knees and uh, drugs, so watch out for that. Also, in the outside world, outside the world of the podcast, 
I've been talking in the past couple of episodes about Interactive Soup. That event is still going on. Pitch submissions are now closed. So we have all of our pitches from people who want to pitch for the communal pot on the night, but tickets for the event are still on sale. As a quick reminder, the ticket costs £5. That buys you entry to the event. It buys you a bowl of soup uh, to enjoy, and it buys you a vote on how the communal pot that all of the ticket money has gone into gets spent. And that will be on some sort of project to benefit audiences, workers, or performers in the interactive performance community or related to it in some way. The event itself is going to be on Tuesday the 4th of October, 6pm at Theatre Delhi Leadenhall in London. If you can make it and you want to pay £5, eat some soup, meet some cool people who are doing interesting work and have your ticket money go towards something that is going to help people out in that community, uh, then please buy a ticket and come along. Uh, you can find info about that at interactivesoup.mailchimpsites.com. Uh, again, all of the necessary links for that are going to be in the programme notes for this episode. Finally, before I go and call beginners for this next scene and conclude this act, I want to tell you a little bit about Play On Podcasts. Play On Podcasts is a series of epic audio adventures reimagining the timeless, complete works of Shakespeare. These are brand new productions featuring original music composition, featuring uh, rewritten scripts in modern English verse by up-and-coming writers. And look, the people at Play On Podcasts want me to say that it explores Shakespeare in a way that you can actually understand it. But I know that Look, our audience doesn't need Shakespeare plays to be rewritten to understand them. Okay, you're, you're smart. You understand Shakespeare's plays in the original text. But what I will say is that Play On Podcasts explores Shakespeare in a way that lets you see it differently, cast a new light on those productions that you might think that you know. Part of the way they do that is with their casting. You don't only get to see a different side of the shows, you get to see a different side of some actors that you might be aware of from film and TV. You get to hear them in audio, performing in these classic texts. Every actor loves to show off a little bit in a Shakespeare, and this is a good opportunity for them to do that. It's the classic texts, but it's rewritten for a modern audience, rewritten for the audio medium. The current production is Henry V. They've got Stephen Boyer in that cast as Pistol. You might know him from the movie Hustlers, from the TV show Chicago Fire. He was with Tom Hanks in that movie Bridge of Spies. Tune into that, hear his take on Pistol, hear play on podcasts, take on Henry V, uh, and enjoy. And with all of that said, please take your seats once again in the main house. The final act of Vigil, Quarry, is about to conclude. The clubhouse of what will perhaps one day be the <laughs> nine-hole executive Abbey Links golf course is still under construction. The, the frame 
and the, like the walls and roof are all done, but there are no interior fittings of any kind. So the walls are all bare. There are you know electrical bits still loose all over the place. the The floor is not finished, and yet, when the four of you arrive in the middle of the what what will one day be this possibly posh golf club clubhouse, there is a lavish table set. At the head of the long table sits an elf, and you all know from your experiences with the supernatural that usually, like, the way people imagine, you know, particular folkloric creatures is not always that accurate. This guy looks like an honest-to-goodness Lord of the Rings elf. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He is... The full Elrond. Painfully beautiful to look at. He has long, not blonde... Golden, <laughs> of course he does. Pointed ears. He is incredibly well turned out in Lincoln Green. He sits at the head of the table, also uh, in the room with a a box full of uh, assorted, like a crate full of assorted guns, knives, and things like that on on his shoulder. Uh, is a centaur. Seems to be like moving stuff out. Awesome. And also uh, lounging against one wall is that. Shabbily dressed, layered up ghoul. Tatty ghoul. Tatty, tatty. That Cameron accepted the invitation from before. And as you all enter, the elf says, You're all a little too late. I'm afraid this particular ride of the hunt has been temporarily called off. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> I just charge. Yeah, absolute lust. Cameron runs straight forward steps up onto the table and runs the length of the table up, yeah. setting all the place settings. Yeah. And as he gets to the end, literally leaps, double-handed grip on the axe. <laughs> and the axe is like screaming in his head at this yeah, point. Yeah. Like he's absolutely oblivious to everything else. At the elf or at the ghoul? At the ghoul. He doesn't care about the elf. He doesn't okay. care about anything else. He's just single focus. So I, I, I still think it's great if you run the length of the table, but <laughs> yeah, you yeah. just vault over the, el- the surprised <laughs> yeah. elf. Yeah. And uh, leap straight at this ghoul. Absolutely. Roll to kick some ass. I'm going to kick this ghoul's ass. With a ten, baby! <laughs> what uh, benefit would you like? Uh, inflict terrible harm. Actually, it's an eleven because I get my plus one fighting these guys. <laughs> inflict terrible harms. So that's a four damage on that little wretch. In slow motion, as Cameron is coming down on this ghoul, uh, axe in hand, it flicks one uh, sleeve and from protruding from the end of the empty sleeve is where you are used to seeing things like Stanley knives and box cutters and just assorted blades. You see uh, the blade of a flint dagger. As you bring the axe down, it stabs upwards straight into your stomach Ooh. for three harm. Hey, <sighs> so hey, I take hey. a one. I take a onezer. I think you've taken its other arm completely off sure okay. like you've cut through and you can see you've gone through several layers of clothing the bottom layers of which are much more kind of shredded and as the material falls away there is a kind of vague arm shape in smoke and shadow and suspended in it are whirling shards of rock mm. with your axe having come down on it it's dagger in your belly kind of very close up to you, it says in your ear, Father, why? 
Shut your mouth! <laughs> and I just hit it again. If For I can. You feel, uh, as you're momentarily winded by the dagger, heavy hands grab your shoulders and yank you upwards as the se- the rest of you see the centaur ride over and pick Cam up by the shoulders and hold him up to, like, oh centaur torso height. Don't damage my hunting hounds, please. That is my prize hunting hound. Well, your fucking prize hunting hound killed everyone I love. And I underneath, like, sort of like shrug off the shotgun and blast up oh. into the, under the centaur's chin. Oh. Roll to kick some ass. That's a ten. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, yeah, he was shifting his grip to go for like a choke hold over your, over your throat, forearm over the throat. Uh, but you get the shot off. What benefit would you like? Uh, I am going to force them where I want them to go. Mm-hmm. He's going to drop me and he's mm-hmm. going to sort of fall on the ground a little way away. So it's right. just me facing the ghoul once again. Okay. Uh, he deals you... I think it's going to be one harm, ignore armour, because it's like a choke hold, sure. so the armour wouldn't really affect it. Yeah. Your throat is bruised by this, and it's going to it's going to be a, a few seconds before you can get any words sure. out, if that was a priority for you at all. But yeah, the shot rips through him and he drops you and staggers back. Uh, what are the rest of the crew up to while this is happening? I feel like we're all looking at each other and then looking at the other <laughs> being like, he's not with us. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian knows how important this is and knows that Cam's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. So Brian, who had decided to turn up in the form of a fox, Naturally. <laughs> dashes over to where Cam is and puts themselves between Cam and the centaur mm-hmm. and just takes on forest guardian <laughs> form with big sword and just like points it down at the centaur as in to say, you are not involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> this is and not getting involved in Cameron's fight because it feels like Cameron needs to do this. But I'm there to run interference in case the, any other elves try and get in Cam's way. I um, send one of my hands <laughs> over to the elf. Oh. <laughs> and it detaches from Melody's wrist and scuttles across the floor up or, or his, across the table all on the table wherever mm. it gets to his shoulder and goes grabs hold of his hair <laughs> 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 just not doing particular harm yeah. distracting and just keeping, keeping him in one place away. Yeah. ow what, what is the meaning of this <laughs> such uncouth intruders stay in your chair <laughs> yeah we are going to have some questions for you when all of this is concluded the ghoul is cowering against the wall from Cameron in this complete abject position but still with the flint dagger protruding from its remaining sleeve while Cameron is getting his voice back from having his throat crushed says why I'm only acting the way you taught me I'm only what you made me I would not be this if not for you we are the same and this because I can't breathe right? I rip off the helmet and I throw it on the floor this is a move that he has. Oh, okay. You must choose fight, flight, or freeze, and to do anything other than that thing, you must act under pressure. 
Well, believe it or not, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what you might do. I think we might fight. Where the first one? And uh, so uh, he rips off the helmet then, and he just says, "I'm nothing like you." He's going to try and decapitate mm-hmm. with this swing, this next swing, which is, I guess, kick some ass. It is kick some ass. Plus, plus two tough. now. Plus four, in fact, because I've got no my prey. Tape it up, and then what does not kill me? Mm-hmm. So this plus four, <laughs> which is ten. <laughs> I mean. Choose your benefit. Inflict terrible harm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that makes it a four That's damage. That's another four harm. And I'm just going straight for the sort of like ne- this is cowering, so yeah. straight for the neck. I think you carve off like from where the neck would be on a person down, like through the chest. Um, so you're carving off kind of more than just the hoods like a significant portion sure. of the top, the top of the clothing and you feel the axe actually biting through its actual form which right. is not a feeling you felt before although you also hear like small impacts and like the ringing of the blade ding, 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 ding. as these small fragments right. of rock swirling in its form yeah. ping off the blade sure um it gets another attack yeah. on you with its dagger at the same time as you step in it sees that you are Fighting out of fear as much as out of rage now. Yeah. And takes advantage of that to stab, kind of aiming for the same place again. Like yeah. going for the wound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, For another three harm. Ooh. Yikes. So one more. The huntsman, mm-hmm. the centaur, Sharrock, without moving, like still kind of hands up at bay from Briar's threats, mm-hmm. yells... Back to the kennels with you. Maybe, Strat, you can add some flavour to this. Uh, what would a fey portal look like as it kind of forms to swallow up this ghoul? I think it's the ground kind of opens up and roots and mm. uh, considering, I guess, the flavour of the ghoul, kind of stone and rock mm-hmm. kind of envelops it and just drags it down into the ground. He's got to go for it. Yeah. He's got to just do that final. Mm-hmm. He just screams, no, you cannot get away. You cannot get away. And so he's screaming at him. So this is a negative one on cool, but <laughs> I've still got no my prey and what does not kill me. So it is a one. <laughs> plus one. Which is a seven, eight. You can wound this ghoul again. You can strike an incredibly mighty blow against it that will debilitate it in future encounters but the axe is going through the portal with it oh you just got that (laughs) or i don't hit it yeah or you're just like you you reel back realizing that that would be the case and don't get this strike oh i love my axe (laughs) i I think that he would realise that the blow is not going to land mm-hmm. in time and just deflect the blow off the rocky mound that's yeah. growing. And then he turns around <laughs> and looks at the centaur. Briar in stone, woody, forest guardian form is between you and the centaur currently. You never get between a huntsman <laughs> and his prey. <laughs> and I start walking towards the centaur. Still in berserker rage, still in absolute how... What have you just done, Mr. Centaur? You're going down, big boy. Cam, stop. No. Stop. Uh-uh. Stop. There is something bigger at play here. 
and it's to do with Ernie. 30 seconds, Renko. I can only talk to you about it if you promise that we can, like, talk this out properly. I'm happy to roll to persuade you. Go on then. Do it. Let's roll. Yeah, roll manipulate yeah. someone. Let's find out how it's going to go. You might, you might get some experience. That's pretty good. <laughs> I was a 12. Okay, so <laughs> on a plus 10, two for 10 plus on manipulate someone against another hunter. If they do what you ask, they mark experience and get a plus one forward. Yeah, so if you can, if you drop this and don't kill this centaur and listen to uh, Renko, you're going to get experience out of it. Okay. We need to, we need to talk about Ernie. I give the sensor the shit eye, and I'm like, <laughs> you are such a piece of... And I, I chop the axe into the table, yeah. and I go, talk! Ernie said that the Department of Emissions started this, or summoned this hunt to try to deal with the problem of there not being enough resource of Doom agents to be able to cover all of the parts of the country. And so... In an experiment 14 years ago, they brought the hunt and then the ghouls in as the hounds, and that is what killed your family. So if we're looking for someone to blame, it's the agency. And maybe more specifically, Ernie. And I know you and him have a relationship. I don't really understand the full extent of it. But he's the one we ought to be going to talk to. Talking's a... Pretty weak work, but we're going to do to learn it. Elf boy. Dickhead. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be talked to in this way. I will not have my... Yeah, yank. yank. <laughs> Ow, I will not be treated in this fashion. Ow. How can we stop this hunt from happening again? Because you're just going to get a new outrider and you're going to try again, aren't you? Yes. Aren't when, you? Yes, when England... Sub when England's subjects cry out in their hearts for relief, the hunt must ride to scour the land of evil. What does that mean? <laughs> it, mean what? it means what it means. How do they... Uh, where, what crying out has been happening? Uh, people, people are... To be, the people of this realm are scared. Renko knows this is a lie. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to just give him a little slap so you feel like you're really like, <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, oh. Um, I do quickly want to see if there is anything that we can do to put an end to it once and for all, or whether we have to just wait until it happens again. I pick up the axe and I say to him, look, I haven't got time to deal with you right now, but if we ever see you or hear of you again, what I did to that ghoul is coming down on you tenfold, mate. We're leaving anyway. Forever. Oh. Well, that's a relative term for mortals, isn't it? Um, Goodbye! <laughs> <laughs> Trelane and Sharrock disappear through their own bay portals into the ground to another realm. Uh -huh. Leaving uh -huh. the four of you alone in this forlorn, half-constructed clubhouse with this destroyed <laughs> feast table set up. I've got to go make a house call. <laughs> I'll be right back. Briar turns into horse mode. He's not letting Cameron go by himself. I jump on your back. I assume you're going to take me there. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we get there preternaturally quick. <laughs> um, I just shout after you, killing a human being is a really bad idea and won't fix anything. <laughs> <laughs>
I think we get to the cottage. And I don't think I knock on the door. I think I just kick the door down. And there's nobody there. Yeah. Of course he didn't stick around. Not a note, just a little note saying nothing. And this, this is Cameron. <laughs> Cameron is familiar with this act by Ernie. He leaves no trace when he moves on from a place. There's no sign that he was ever here. Cameron's very upset. Mm. Very, very upset. And he's not going to smash up Percy's cottage. Good choice. Good choices. does go outside and scream and shout (laughs) and smash up everything he can see outside of the cottage. There's underbrush and trees and construction equipment that you can take your anger out on. They get angered upon. (laughs) A horse stands nearby trying not to pretend it's not there. (laughs) (laughs) Then remembers it doesn't need to be and just flies off. (laughs) So awkward. Not as a horse, no. No, as 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 a raven or a crow or something. And as Briar, in the form of a crow, flies away, watching Cameron's tantrum from the branches of a nearby tree, not so nearby that he would attack it, but near enough to get a good view, there sit three ravens. Good boy. Looking on in what somebody who was kind of familiar with bird expressions might recognise as... A look of approval. This is the only time this number's going to work, Renko, so make it good. There was a situation and I did share with Cameron what I know about what happened with the ghouls and his family. I think it was fair that he knew, but he is obviously somewhat on a rampage at the moment because he had a confrontation with the ghoul and it did not end well. Thanks for confirming that I was right to get out when I did. Yeah, well, I don't think this is the last you'll be hearing from any of us. And the hunt's probably going to come back again at some point in the future, so you've still got a debt to be paid here, I think. Appreciate you being square with me, Renko. I don't feel good about it, but I felt like it was best that you knew. Tell you what, Renko. Appreciate you being up front. Not something we get in our line of business all the time. So um, you don't have to worry about what what I might say to HQ. I think I'm going to put some distance between me and the organisation anyway. That seems like a really good idea. Nicest possible way, Renko. I hope we don't cross paths again, but I realise the uh, likelihood of that is small. Yeah, well, I agree. And if you cross paths with Cameron, you're in trouble. I'll keep my eyes open. And curtain. Whee!
been Vigil, a main house production from Merely Role Players. It stars Helen Stratton as Melody, Chris Starkey as Cameron Jarvis, Vicky as Renko, and Strat as Briar. Sound design for this production is by Helen Stratton, and the theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing the episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. Anything else at the library? No. Do you, do you make, any, do you make any attempt to clean up or are you heading straight off? Sorry. I think we're heading straight off. I can move things. You can at least put the shelves I back. I can move things back. I can move. Yeah. Unveiling the scene of God. Yeah. <laughs> 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 put the large amount of blood on the floor. It's going to stay yeah. there for a while. Yeah. yeah.